Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Attacking Scrum. It's time for the latest instalment of Dream 15, our feature where we get a guest to come on and choose 15 players who they would have loved to have seen play together from any era, any side, any nationality. My guest this week is fantastic journalist Ben James. I've got a few things in common with Ben. One, we've got beards, we both host podcasts, and something we've discovered is we both have a love of video games from the early noughties, something which we uh, chat about a little bit during this episode of the podcast. But love chatting to Ben, really knowledgeable guy, he's very funny, very witty, and uh, yeah, nice nice bloke to, to take a trip down memory lane with. Hope you're enjoying these episodes, we've got loads more of these to come, where we get lots more guests on to select their sides, uh, so make sure you stay tuned, um, subscribe to us on iTunes if you don't already, follow us on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. And just finally, before we get underway, big thanks as always to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. See tough times at the moment, so yeah, if you want to help out by supporting a local um, young Welsh business, then you can do that by going to socoffeetrades.co.uk and you won't be disappointed with the coffee either. Right, on with the show. Shanklin drives things on for Wales. Oh, that's lovely. Ball back inside. And that is outstanding from Lieburn. Oh, France have been shredded. Outstanding score. And Lieburn stretches the Welsh lead with a moment of brilliance. Welcome to another episode of Dream 15 by the Attacking Scrum. If you've not listened before, this is uh, well a brand new way of us doing the podcast. Each week, a different guest will join me or Dan, and we'll be discussing 15 players who our guest would love to see play together. So it's not necessarily the best players in the world. It might be, but it's the, the players that you would love to see play together. So the ones who've brought you the most joy over the years. And I'm delighted to say that making his debut on the Attacking Scrum podcast, we're putting aside podcast rivalries for uh, uh, for this one. It's uh, it's top journalist, Ben James. How are you, Ben? I'm very well. And yourself? Yeah, good. Thank you. And 
start by by asking you how you found putting together this was this did you always have 15 players in your mind that you all your favorites or were there a couple of tough calls I mean, when you messaged me yesterday, I thought, oh, you know, great, right? Uh, I'll find a few niche names. This will be nice and easy. And it's been the bane of my life. <laughs> the last 24 hours, I've been just, I'm fairly young, so I haven't got a massive catalogue of players to work from. But even then, it's still so tough. Been looking through like the roster from Rugby 06 to sort of spring my memory, <laughs> get, get things rolling. It's just been a nightmare. It was on my list of things to mention to you was uh, was rugby 06 because I think it's uh, people of a certain age and I'm probably a bit too old to have been enjoying it at the time. I should have been out, um, you know, out having more of a life. But it's one of those things that you had the the rarest of gems, a, a rugby game that was worth playing. Um, did you, uh, you know, was that something that you that you've done in the past? You'd assembled a dream team on there um, in your youth. Yeah, I think. The first one I had was, I had Rugby 2005. Yeah. But I, I was playing it, I didn't have a laptop at the time, we had like a, a dreadful PC. So you could get into, you could install the game, you could get into the menu, and you could you could mess around. But if you actually tried to play a game, it, it just did not like it. And there was graphics flying everywhere, and you know, like players were glitching. So I only ever got as far as just assembling a dream team in, in the sort of... Um, uh, where you can edit edit the sort of the squads, yeah. so that was what I spent the whole of Rugby 2005 doing, <laughs> and then yeah, you know Rugby 06 and Rugby 08, you know Shane Williams at scrum half because uh, unplayable, not? absolutely unplayable, and uh, yeah, it's it's one of those, isn't it? That that pick up from Shane, you could snipe down the blind side and uh, any any score. Gavin Henson with 90, 90 yard, you know ninety yard oh, yeah. Jimmy yeah. Gopeth was one that I always remember for, for no reason. Like you look at his stats and it was like 70-odd kicking. And yeah, playing for the New Zealand Maori, he just, playing for the computer, he just put you in the corner every time. Yeah. Well, do you know what? And I, um, that's a pretty fair reflection of how he was as a player as well, wasn't he? Just one of those one of those players, perhaps not the flashiest in the world, but mighty effective. So I'll, uh, I'll look forward to finding out whether he's made it onto the list, Ben. Um, a couple of recaps as well about other things I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you at which stadium you would like to play this fictional game, which opposition you would like to play against, and uh, also what uh, what kit you'd be wearing as well. So we'll get to those at the end of the podcast. But let's start with uh, with where the magic really happens, the front row. Um, talk us through your shortlist for the front row. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't spend a lot of time on front row. That's... <laughs> If, if, you, if you can bend down, get back up again, great. Good for you. Um, yeah, so Lou said was tough because I don't want to go for, for Mellon, forget yeah. it because it's obvious. Um, but I might have to. Beyond him, I've always I've always respected Andrew Sheridan. Yeah, it was um, just just fearsome. The, 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 um, the game that always springs to mind is that that quarterfinal against Australia yeah. where he just brought them to their, to their knees. And uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I've, one of those English players I've got, I've got a begrudging ad- admiration for actually. Like him and well, Phil Vickery at the time, Phil Vickery is another guy who just can't help but respect. I spoke to him quite recently, actually. He's just, he's just the nicest guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Them, them two. Um, Ricky Evans was before yeah, my time, yeah. but, I just, 
I just think he's fascinating. You know, yeah, yeah. I haven't haven't met him after like since, and 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 for, sort of look back on his career. I just find it fascinating. So it's probably it's a toss up between them three. Um, I suppose on playing means you'd probably go for Gethin Jenkins, but um, it's your team, Ben. You call the shots simply because I didn't see Ricky Evans mm. play. I'm going to go Andrew Sheridan for reasons that will become okay. uh, apparent later on in the podcast. Nice. Well, yeah, you said if, if you can bend down and, and get back up again, well, I think it's fair to say Sheridan could do that and he caused a, a lot of damage at scrum time. So Sherry is with the number one shirt. Uh, who's going to be hooking in this, uh, in this fine team? Um, I mean, it's really tough to overlook Ken Owens just because he's a modern day cult hero, which, you know, I, I just love, you know, same with Richard Hibbard. Um, so those are the two sort of Welsh options. Again, Steve Thompson, an Englishman I, I admire. Um, that's, that's probably three too many Englishmen on this podcast <laughs> so far, isn't it? Uh, hey, look, it's, it's, your, it's your team, Ben. And I think the, the thing is, is what, once, once they've stopped playing, it becomes a bit easier to appreciate the, uh, the kind of the, the England players of bygone years. It's, it's when they're wearing the, uh, wearing the red rose, it's, it's a really difficult one. Um, so I think with, again, Steve, with Steve Thompson, I think actually it's funny you say that when they stop playing, because the moment I respect him for most is actually after he stopped playing. Because he... He stopped playing, didn't he? Have heart condition. Then he came back, yeah. and then he retired again. And then he scored a brilliant try in a charity game. I think it was England against Australia Legends, like BT Sport or someone showed it. Right, I've never seen that. Oh, it's it's on YouTube. He, um, we'll it's basically a show. It's a show and go, and then he runs over from fifty meters on the wing. Oh, we'll have to, yeah, we'll have to dig that one out. I don't know if I'm uh, if I'm making this up. Was he another one of those hookers who started out started out life in the back row? Um, I couldn't tell you for certain, but I'd imagine so. Um, yeah. Also, wore fingerless gloves, didn't he? Uh, yes, at yeah, some, yeah, yeah. At some point, which yeah. I mean, that that's going to be a that could be a theme actually in my team. I'm trying to think now. <laughs> I myself used to wear them when I played uh, for my for sins. What um what what position and what kind of a player were you, Ben? Oh, um, so I started out as a wing, uh, playing for Bill Wells. Mm. Um, in a junior section, wasn't wasn't overly brilliant. Um, although I maintain that everything went wrong in the pack, and then it, it sort of you know things go wrong in the pack, and usually it's the wing who who, who looks like the, the fool out on the sort of the fringes when there's a three on one overlap. Um, oh, you just you need you need the forwards to do the work in those situations, don't you? Exactly. So then I then I moved to the forwards because I thought <laughs> that looks easy. Um, so I played a bit of flanker, um, but I wasn't a great flanker to be honest. Uh, probably last to the breakdown, but then first to the bar after the match. So um, that, that was that was my quite short rugby career. Right. Well, uh, we'll we'll wait to we'll wait to see if you've um, if you've opted for yourself in any of those positions. But who's going? Who is who is going to get the nod at hooker? Interesting, interesting couple of selections there. Um, uh, Raffley Ibanez simply for the one-handed oh. throw him. But I'm going to go for John Smith. Oh yes, what a player! And it's 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 not even for rugby reasons, really. It's 
it's just for the fact that he wore a long sleeve jersey during the 2007 World Cup, which I thought was really cool. It was cool. And do you know what, though? On a rugby front, A, you know, aside from being an amazing leader and an amazing player, midway through your international career to switch to tight head prop, that's, um, that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, massively so. Yeah, it's just, just ridiculously impressive. But the long sleeve, long sleeve top wins it. Well, the long just sleeve that. top edge, edges out the uh, the fingerless gloves in this instance. So, who will be making up the uh, the front row in the tight head position, joining Andrew Sheridan and John Smith? Again, it would be painfully obvious to go Adam Jones. Um, Martin Castro Giovanni's oh, a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, like preferably pre- Vegas, yeah. Vegas. Yeah. Castro Giovanni, yeah. not not rugby. Castro Giovanni, yeah, pure party, just just for the uh, a good tourist. Yeah, he's going to be in the midweek team, um, and then Tyke Furlong, obviously a more recent name, but uh, I mean he, he's just done fantastic things in that position. But I'm going to go with John Davis, former Tenethley Scarlets prop. Yeah, just absolute machine. He he can still do a job now. In my he head, is. in my head, he's still in the Scarlet squad somewhere. You know, I, th- I think I, he I, is. I know, he, I know he's fifty years old, but it feels like because I mean, he didn't he didn't stop playing professional rugby until he's I think he's like his mid forties, um, and in that position as well, that's pretty pretty unforgiving. Uh, that's a that's a mighty fine choice, and sported a pretty impressive tash at one point during his career as well. He did, yeah. Plus, you know, he's he's a farmer as well, which. I don't know if that's a help or a hindrance. It's a, <laughs> if you're going to play in the front row to the end. Uh, it's a help when it comes to this podcast. A, a good mate of mine is a uh, is a farmer in the Peak District and he's a, a massive rugby fan himself and he's obsessed with creating, basically doing this this podcast that we're doing now, picking a dream team, but doing it of, uh, of players of farming stock. And it, there are so many wonderful players who've uh because you think all oh, right yeah you'd be able to create a good pack because you've got a lot of strong farm uh farm boys you know you'd have sean o'brien and danny lydia yeah. in there and stuff but actually once you get into backs you go well you can you can legitimately have uh have two yeah. two of the barrett brothers in the backs as well it's a you can yeah. create you know a, a farming dream team that would that would rival the all blacks you got the carney the carney brothers from yeah. farmer stock in ireland um mike phillips is, of course, is yeah. Farmer stock. Um, Tom and Ben Youngs. Yeah, you know, there, there's there's more than a few. Um, it's funny you mention that. That's actually that's the reason I picked Tyke Furlong. Um, nice. Yeah, he's also farming stock. Um, there's a great picture of him on the farm before the World Cup when I, I think Info, I think Info, the the Irish uh, photography mm. agency, they did a series of like uh, portraits with the Irish team, and you know you got. Dave and Rob Carney with their family and Johnny Sexton with his wife or something, you know. He just had Tyke Furlong with his dad and I think it was a pig. <laughs> it's just incredible. Like everyone had these really sort of, you know, looking ponderous and and and, 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 and arty and thoughtful. It's just Tyke Furlong on the farm. That's superb. I think there's there's some um, there's some things we're going to have to dig out afterwards and, and post on social media. Steve Thompson's try, I think a picture of John Davis's tash, but that picture as well of uh, 
of Tide Furlong, uh, Tide Furlong and uh, and his pig is, is definitely going to be one to to dig out if we can find it. Massively, yeah. And the other reason I picked John Davis was because the last time I saw him was at the Royal Welsh Show last year, actually. Again, farming links. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I saw him, the first time I saw him was at a free bar at 11 o'clock in in the morning, and then the next time I saw him was 10 o'clock at night. He's he's a machine. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, yeah, what a warrior. Great, great choice there. A pretty formidable front row there. Um, So to say you haven't put much thought into it, I think that's that's a, a mighty fine start. What about the uh, the boiler room? Who's in there? I mean, it's, it's a t- it's, again, it's a tough one because you want to sort of think outside the box, but then not picking Alvin Jones is just, you know, I want to keep my job. So <laughs> I've, I've opted to pick him. Um, I say opted. He's picked himself. He has picked himself. So, so yeah. you know, that goes... Goes without saying, but uh, there's a few options. Um, I always like Paul Tito. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that shot of red hair as well. Just he, he was just you know great captain material. You just you just knew you could look to him. Um, Donico Callahan, mm. I love. Good just, strikes would be good value as well on a you know he's always good fun on the um, on the Lions DVDs. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the thing. We made it on. I, I was reading some quotes about the 2005 Lions tour when, you know, like obviously Clive Woodward didn't exactly have the best sort of morale around the test group. And when he got called into test group, he, he, he was just like trying to trying to make jokes. Even Paul O'Connell was turning to go, not now, Donica. And he was like shocked, <laughs> just absolutely shocked that <laughs> no one was laughing. Uh, speaking of Lions, Simon Shaw. Yeah, two thousand and nine was. I just thought, like, was he thirty seven at the time? It's a remarkable story to to have toured South Africa twice and having to wait till your second tour to get the um to get your first Test cap was that that's that's lion stuff, a legend stuff, really. No, he's just he was fantastic that time. That was just that was just such a great tour, you know. Obviously, after everything that happened, two thousand and five to go out of South Africa, two thousand and nine, have. You know, seeing the geek and just sort of restore some pride and people like Simon Shaw really made that. Um, the other name that I consider is Jamie Cudmore. Mm, cuddles. I just, I just, I just, I love him. He, he's an, I mean, I have no, I have no idea what he's like off the pitch, but imagine playing against, uh, against Jamie Cudmore. It would be, I don't think it matters what position you'd be playing. He would find you and make your life hell for, uh, for the, for the 80 minutes. And he's such, I've interviewed him, I think once, which was, I was in university as a, as a student and I, I, I reached out to him actually to sort of, I was doing some project about what rugby players want to do after they retire. And mm. obviously he's got, he's got his finger in so many pies. He's a really intelligent guy. He's, you know, he's got his wine business. Um, I think his wife has got like a business degree or something. So she's just like the brains of the operation and he's a smart guy and he's really well-spoken. He can speak French, obviously, because mm. there was that. Um, was it the 2015 World Cup or the yeah, 2011 World Cup? When he uh, <laughs> snuck up on the, uh, on the French team huddle. But um, the one I've gone with is uh, Nakawara. Yeah, pure box Just, office. I, I I searched him on Google earlier, and there's not a single photo on the top page of Google 
where he's holding the ball in two hands. <laughs> which just tells you everything. It does, yeah. If you've if you've gone for pragmatism uh, in the front row, then there's there's room for some box office in the second row. I think. Yeah, uh, that's that's not a bad second row actually. So well, Nakarawa and Alan Wynne James. So I, I I think that's more than not a bad second row. Very impressed. Uh, very impressed with that. Like uh, like what like what we've got in the type five. There, a real mix of grunt and uh, and some some real silk as well. Uh, what about the back row? Um, so, talking about the Lions, thousand and nine, I was really tempted to put Stephen Ferrison. It was uh, both him and Tom Croft were incredible on that tour. Yeah, just both of them just showed unreal wheels for for back rows. I think like did Ferris score like at least twenty meter runnings in like consecutive matches, and then Croft obviously did what he did in the test matches. David Wallace was phenomenal out there. He was. He's he's a player I just think is sort of slept on a bit, but he was he was fantastic. Yeah, again, maybe maybe you know hasn't had uh, the credit he deserves. Kind of looking back, but he was he was a wonderful back row forward, and I think there's a lot of Irish names you know in the the ten years that have passed, or you know the roughly ten years that have passed since since David Wallace has stopped playing, who you know are probably bigger names. So you know your He's Lips and O'Brien and Omani and these kind of players. But actually, I think all of those would love to have played with a proper out and out seven like David Wallace. Massively so, yeah. Uh, who else? Oh, speaking of Irish people, Simon Easterby. Mm. Just watching him, him at the Scarlets, he was just fantastic. And again, um, actually, one of the one of the the few good things on the 2005 Lions tour, we had a really impressive tour then. Yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, who else have I got? I mean, in terms of blindsides, Jerry Collins just. Mm. As much for 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 the man uh, as the player, I think everyone's every player you speak to who's played with him or against him has got a Jerry Collins story, which yeah. just speaks volumes. Um, but the the man I'll go for on the blind side is Dan Lydia. Again, well, well, one of Bill Wells' finest. Indeed, yeah, in Mid Wales, um, another farmer, and it all it's it's that game against France, twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely I've, incredible. I've not seen a defensive performance like that before or since. He he Do literally you, just he took he just chopped everything that day. The only the only defensive performance I can think from a Wales player that comes close was was Charteris in in twenty fifteen against Ireland, and you know for for slightly different reasons, but he just kept on tackling that day. But yeah, you're right, Lydia, that. That you know that whole period and the the entire World Cup before was just it, it kind of for a, for a couple of years it changed the way that the way that players def- defended and the ways that, that teams selected you know you wanted a an out and out tree chopper in your back row. Indeed, you know it's because people people talk about the blind side and every so often you'll see a piece like you know should we be playing two open sides? But for that period of time, blind side was. You know, it was a it was a genuine position that you picked a blindside on. There was there was no debate about the validity of having a proper blindside. When you had someone like Dan Lydia, you picked a blindside. Mm. Like I was convinced up until probably maybe just before the Six Nations, I still thought 
Dan Lidd had a chance of going to the World Cup last year. Yeah. It, I thought he'd have been in the training squad, and I thought he'd yeah. go. And I think as well, as well as what he brings on the pitch, there's you know a real calmness around Dan Lydia and uh, you know a professionalism, and and I think like a quiet leadership as well. You know, he's not necessarily. Um, you know, you wouldn't look at him in the same way as Alan Jones in terms of perhaps the style of leadership, but any dressing room with Dan Lydia in or any training session with Dan Lydia in, you know that any young player is going to listen to what he has to say. So I know, I know exactly where you're coming from there. Um, I think he's shown that with the Ospreys, hasn't he? Since he's, yeah. you know, they've had tough times and he's probably been the one player who's been there when the times are toughest, when the international periods are on and, and they have been struggling. He's He's the one who stepped up. Yeah, no, absolutely fine choice. Uh, he was, yeah, he was on the, the shortlist for me um, as well. So you've gone for more pragmatism at uh, blindside, like you say, a specialist blindside. Uh, what about the open side? Um, I, I did think about going for even more pragmatism, Dan Barr. Just, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just terrifying. Yeah. Just absolutely terrifying. Just, just, just ridiculously Pure physical. Heartless. Yeah, I think his his favorite NFL player was Ronnie Lott, which just tells you every. If you know Ronnie Lott from the I'm, NFL, I'm just tells you everything. Again, that'll be one for Google later. Yeah, it tells you everything about Dan Bar. It's just just put your body on the line every time, and no one can ask any more of you. Um, Sam Warburton, obviously, as, as I said, David Wallace, uh, George Smith, the man just defies time. Another yeah, another one who played in uh, played in Detective Lions tour, and he's there in 01 and and uh, and in wherever that was thirteen. Incredible. But I went for Martin Williams just because growing up he just defied what an open side was. You know, he's kicking for the corner and it just the skill set he had. It was just just ridiculous to watch from an open side flanker. Yeah, I, do you know what? It really is like, with hindsight, looking back at the way he played, you know, and we we have been spoiled following Wales, you know, the the, the past 10, 15 years and the quality of, of back row forwards we've had. But there was something really, really exciting about watching Martin Williams. And then for him to come back after after retiring after 2007, uh, it was it was so important that Gatlin was able to talk him, talk him out of that and, and then get the... Get that that winning try against France. That'll that'll live with me as one of my favourite ever moments supporting Wales. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny you mention that because there's uh, there's there's probably a player on this team who doesn't like that moment quite as much. But we'll get to that in a bit. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you pick David Screller at ten. Then um, Martin Williams at seven, like that. What are you going for in the in the number eight stakes? I'm, I'm looking forward to the balance of this back row. Um, so obviously considered Tokes Falato, just how can you not? Mm. Um Aaron Ordeke was was something else. Uh I thought about you know, you've got Bill Matter at the minute doing yeah. stupid things, Gorgodza. Oh do you know what I com- I completely forgot about Gorgodza, but yeah, what a great show. Uh Theo Tiatia, I considered. Yeah. He's just he was just made of made of teak. Just yeah, he he changed the the mindset in the in the Ospreys. 
we've had um we've had we've had Kai Griffiths on a number of times um chatting about his time at the Ospreys and stuff and he cannot speak highly enough about Philo Tiatia. You know, says he was as hard as Jerry Collins and just you're right, the the professionalism that they kind of commanded in in that side full of Galacticos, and it was, you know, Galacticos everywhere, Tia Tia was probably the you know the real unsung hero in that team. And I think I think everyone who's played with him rates him right up there with the the most influential players. But the the one I went for is is Xavier Rush. Yeah. Just can't is he's probably Probably just edges out to your tier, I think, as the best overseas sign in the region's made. Yeah. He, he, he was, was so, so important for the Blues. And also, he wants to play with glass in his hand. <laughs> yeah. Which is just, just, just crazy. It, but no, it, he was just yeah, he was a fantastic player. Stories. So, yeah, that's, that's my pack. Um, so, that is a mighty impressive pack. Um, yeah, I, 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 a good bit of familiarity in the back row there with two, uh, two players who would have played together a lot. Um, plenty of scrummaging opportunity and that, yeah, they, two, two flair players in the pack as well. I think with uh, with Nakarawa and Martin Williams, two players you'd like to get uh, get on the ball as much as you can. So, uh, yeah, like that a lot, Ben. That's a, that is a good looking pack. We're going to pick the, uh, we're going to pick, well, we're going to hear who you've picked in the backs very, very shortly. But first, we're just going to take this quick break. This is Keelan Jars, and you're listening to Attack and Scrum, sponsored by So Coffee Trades. Time now to have a look at your backs, Ben. Um, I get the feeling this is where you might have spent most of your time in terms of uh, in terms of deliberating who made it in. Would, would that be a fair assumption? Um, some positions, yes. Others, no. It's like some positions I've, I've gone for a niche name and then thought, oh, I better put some well-respected names in as quote, you know, quote marks, you know, runners up just to look mm. credible, but they were never <laughs> in with it with a chance. The niche <laughs> names are always going to get it. Hipsters choices in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'll start with scrum half. Um, yeah, the sort of scrum halves I liked when I was younger, Dwayne Peel mm. was just a really classy player. You know, uh, it feels looking back, it does feel like a waste of talent, Dwayne Bill, just because obviously when he went to, to sale and Gatlin came in, that was pretty much his international career gone. And you think a year before that, he, he was captain in Wales in the first game of the, the World Cup. Yeah, he, just, he was just so good. And just two years before that, he was, you know, he was arguably the best nine in the world, I would say. You know, you look at that oh, yeah. slam here, he was just. I had absolutely everything, the sniping threat um, and then immaculate service. Yeah, he must have been a joy to play outside. Oh, yeah, he tore, he tore Scotland to Shreya Sydney at Murrayfield that year. Just, um, speaking of Scotland, Chris Custer. Don't know why, oh, I just always oh, liked him. Because nice, um, yeah. they, they had a few decent scrum master around that time. They had Mike Blair Mike as well. Yeah. Custer. Yeah. Um, who else? Roy Lawson Roy, Roy Roy as well. So, you know. Good scrum half, yeah. But I don't know, it's always quite like Chris Custer. Um, and the other was Alessandro Troncon. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. A real uh, a prince of European centres, yeah, of European scrum halves. He was a wonderful player. And also, you just because around that time, I think 
you know, obviously Italy had and won many games in the Six Nations. He just it was just always rooting for the underdog, and, and Troncon just seemed to encapsulate that. Like I remember they beat when they beat Scotland at Murrayfield, two thousand seven. I think Chris Custer actually threw in two interceptions. Yeah, in that yeah, match. yeah, he had a, a howler of the first half, didn't he? But yeah, just it just felt like Troncon's victory, and it was just that game just still sticks in my head mainly because it was the craziest opening like seven minutes to a match I'd ever seen. Like they were twenty one nil up when they after like that's right six minutes. Um. And the other contender was, again, someone way before my time. But his he didn't play much Test Rugby, but his record speaks for itself. And also, he's one of the funniest men I've ever met. And that's uh, Chico Hopkins. Oh, excellent. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, famously didn't play much international rugby, did he? But um, what, uh, yeah, what, uh, what is it that you like about Chico so much? Um. Most of the stuff he says could not be repeated. <laughs> He's also, what's he beating the All Blacks? Is it three times or two? So he did it with the Lions. Yeah. And he did it with... Did it with Sinatli. Sinatli, yeah, so twice. Basically, he beat England on his only cap. Yeah. Replacing Gareth Edwards. And... Yeah, it's amazing when you think about it, isn't it? And he's got he's just got an incredible story. Because obviously, I think his dad died a couple of years after that. So they quit rugby union, went to play league, regretted it. And then he struggled with mental health throughout the 80s. Um, and now he's sort of all over that again. He's, he's living in my stack. It's, 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 it's an incredible story, actually. You, you only sort of think of him as being, you know, Gareth Edwards' deputy, but yeah. he's, he's had an incredible life, an incredible career. Oh, no, I like that. I said, yeah, great... Um... Great name to bring up. Who is it that gets the nod at Scrum Half? Uh, it's Justin Marshall. Oh, and it's it's for one performance. Is it? Is it can I guess this one? On. If I may, was it? It's not the one um, where it's Osprey's Cardiff Blues and him and Mike Phillips are at each other all game, and Phillips has already announced that he's going to to the Ospreys for the next season. Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, I thought that was a masterclass. In, in scrum oh. half, just 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 winding the opposite, opposite number up. I thought that was just incredible watching that when I was growing up. Just the the subtext of it as well, the fact that they were both going to be you know fighting for the for the nine jersey the next season, and yeah, he um, you know Mike Phillips not one to not one to take a backward step, but Marshall Marshall had him in his pocket that day. Oh, just he he did a proper number on him, and looking I was looking back at it actually researching this and apparently there was like an altercation after the match but he, I didn't know that at the time I just remember it as being on the pitch Justin Marshall was in Mike Phillips's head from the first minute to the 80th and it was it was just glorious to watch yeah it, it was I can't remember what what it was was it just a, was it just a league game or I don't it, know, was the, it was the it was the uh, Anglo-Welsh semi-final it was the, the Anglo-Welsh yeah of course I think they won like twenty-seven ten or something, and that would have—that was the year they lost to Leicester in the the final. Then the year after they beat them, didn't they? But yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I seem to remember Brian Moore saying bollocks quite loudly in the um, 
during the uh, during the final uh, against Leicester as well. Uh, you know, saying the referee the referee had made a, a decision that was complete bollocks, uh, and then just an, an air of silence as uh, as people tried to figure out what the hell you they were going to follow with that. Uh, Justin Marshall, what a great what a what a great shout that is. Um, Move on to outside half. What kind of uh, what kind of an outside half do you look for? Are you the romantic running ten, or do you want you want someone who's gonna who's gonna do the, the Jimmy Gopeth on rugby 06 and, and pin you back? Um, I'm a, I'm a mixture, um, and probably as we speak, I still haven't fully decided on who I'm going to pick. So I'm going to name names, and then I'm going to see what sticks. So obviously, Stephen Jones, mm-hmm. just just a phenomenal uh, fly half. Carlos Spencer. It was just a glitch. Um, Andy Goode had the perfect mix of cycling shorts and gloves. Yeah, he did look like he was playing in. Um, you know, they'd uh, they said right, what's what's left over in lost property? And Andy Goode was was wearing that out to play test rugby. Plus, he had receding hairline, and he was a bit. He was carrying a bit of timber, and he'd occasionally sport a mustache. It was just everything. That could go wrong. Sartorially did, and that's that's what I love about him. Quay Cooper, twenty eleven, was oh, yeah, just phenomenal. You know the things he was doing in Super Rugby when the the Reds won that season was just you know cross kicks out of your own in goal area. Just he was doing everything. You know he he was lighting it up, and then sort of so went off the boil fairly quickly. Offloads as well that um you know. You just you can imagine as a coach having a heart attack every time he threw one. But you're right; that season, everything just seemed to come off, didn't it? Yeah, there was one against the Highlanders, I think, where he, he I think he took an inside ball, sort of running diagonally, and then he just threw a, a one-handed twenty-meter pass, sort of you know flick of the wrists when he could have just thrown it two-handed, and it just you know wingers wingers hands in the corner, simple as that. Um, Fallen off on that, Danny Cipriani. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to admit I'm a fully paid up member of the, the Danny Cipriani fan club. Oh yeah, just I think the so fact special. that he hasn't the fact that he hasn't played you know that much rugby or you know I think many would argue not enough rugby for England is you know again as a Wales fan it it makes it less guilty because you can appreciate what he's doing for Gloucester without it having any impact on. Um, you know, on on England or, or dishing out some some punishment to us. I always just looked at an England side and thought, God, how much more dangerous would they be with Danny Cipriani in this? You know, I I think he is a he's a, he's a genius of a player. Oh yeah, massively so. Um, I suppose yeah, rugby or six. Obviously, Jimmy Gopeth was brilliant. Um, Heffler. I think it's fictional. <laughs> uh, yeah, Heffler from Rugby 06. You'd be the you'd be the first one to uh, you'd be the first first person to have uh, to have said him. Um, I'd love to see if he makes it in there. The guy who you inherit at the start of a World League. Um, I, t- I, I tweeted about that recently, and someone replied. It was me. With his, with his, was it you with his first name? Someone replied with his first name. No, I don't think it actually. It wasn't me with his first name. I think he was C. Heffler. I seem to remember that. Yeah, C. C. Heffler. All the players in Rugby 06, they didn't have first names. It was just, you know, it was like, you know, D. Bigger, you know, et cetera. Yeah, it was so, C. Heffler, wasn't it? So considering he was fictional, nobody could know his first name. And this guy just tweeted his first name. I said, like, it's making me think, was Heffler a real person? I was having a, like, I was searching all night on Google, like, to double check that Heffler wasn't real. 
It, yeah, it, re- it reminds me of when I was about when I was about fourteen or fifteen. Um, I spent far too much time playing Championship Manager oh one oh two, and uh, there was a player on there called Toe Madeira who was 250 grand to buy to start with so pretty much you know if you're in league one or above you could just about afford to to buy this striker and he was absolute world beater you know he was instantly worth 15 million the minute he bought him scored goals and I remember finding out that he was a plant in the game he wasn't a real player and I I just I could I could never buy him again after that it just it didn't feel right I felt like I'd been cheated on Oh, it's just it's it's heartbreaking, isn't it? it is. I was always wondering why Island Island never called up F O'Leary on the wing. <laughs> that one's that one's wasted on me. Who was F O'Leary then? Was he, he was he was the he was the winger you'd get at the start. Oh, black, God, black oh. windswept hair he did. Is, oh, yeah, I forgot, I forgot about F O'Leary. Yeah, playing yeah, Eddie O'Sullivan for years. <laughs> That's it. Long stand, long standing beef where he refused to pick F O'Leary. He was, uh, yeah, he was, he was, he was too close to, um, he was too close to, uh, to Trevor Brennan. Spent too much time drinking in his bar on his, uh, on, <laughs> on his nights off. Um, oh God, nice, nice little, um, yeah, nice little segue into that. Who is, who is the one you go for? I presume Heffler isn't getting the nod. He isn't. Um, I was going to go Dan Carter, but I think I've talked myself into going Quade Cooper. Just that 2011 form. I was watching a few clips back today, and he was just, just ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go Quade Cooper and probably live to regret it because it's not like I've got any other sort of generals who can put their foot on the ball like Stephen Jones or Dan Carter can. But you know, we'll, we'll we'll live to regret that. I don't know. I think well, you've got Marshall inside him now. Marshall is That's true. as much as Marshall, you know, had had a really good all round game. He's you know, he's almost like the French mold of uh, Petit General, isn't he? You know, he's, he's, he'd be the one calling the shots. If he thinks Cooper's going to be a liability, he'll box kick it or he'll, um, he'll, he'll play it safe. That is true. That is true. Pretty Cooper. Nice. We're going to go to the centres next. Um, are you looking for a bit of a, a balance here? Do you want a, a footballer and a crash ball merchant? What were you, what were you thinking when it came to centres? Um, I've honestly just gone two playmakers. Nice. Um, just, just why not? Like I, I thought of a few pragmatic <laughs> names. Um, so, inside centre, I thought about Andrew Bishop. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, Actually, yeah. Hard as nails. I've spoken to a few people who played with him recently, and they just all think he he was. They used to call him the clamp, and they just think he's yeah. he's the reason we you know won. Won the league 2010 and, and was so good around that time, just having someone like Andrew Bishop in midfield. And I always thought and Ashley Beck, slightly different player, but Ashley Beck was quite similar. Ashley Beck's just, a wonderful player to watch and just oh, the cruelest luck in the world when it comes yeah. to injuries. Like, like like Gavin Henson, he's one of those players who just looks like he's, he's working in slow motion. Mm. Like, I don't think uh, yeah, when Gavin Henson had ball in hand, he never looked like he was sprinting. No, even when he was making a break, you know, even when he, I, I seem to remember uh, the the Twickenham game in 08, which was kind of his his comeback, really, having missed the World Cup. Yeah, he had a brilliant game and he made a break, I think, in the second half. And again, yeah, those, I know the one silver, you're talking about. Yeah, those silver boots. Again, it just looks like he's gliding through people um, while, you know, while he's gaining 50 yards. Just, yeah, he, he was effortless at his best. Yeah, um, the other insight I thought about was Matt Gitto. 
just nice. Always, always thought he was brilliant. And then outside centres, you know, obviously Brian O'Driscoll was considered. Mm. Just he was fantastic. Especially now that it turns out he's struggling with his eyesight for most of his career. Um, yeah, Jonathan Davis. Yeah, uh, for, for obvious reasons, Conrad Smith. Um, Rougerie. Was, ah, was a centre rather than a winger. That's interesting. I mean, he, he, he played a lot of his later rugby with Clermont. He tended to play centre, didn't he? He did, didn't he? Yeah. I, I always really liked him in the centre. Um, they're, they're a side who are a lot of fun to watch. Again, you know, notoriously didn't didn't win as much as they should, but that that particular era as well, they played some fantastic rugby. Yeah, they were fantastic. Um, and and. Actually, the person who gets in at 13 played for them during that era, but uh, one more was Casey Laulala. I really enjoyed watching him play. But um, yeah, the, the centres I've gone for James Hook at 12 and uh, nice. Regan King at 13. Oh, interesting. Right. I mean, this is this is a this is where things start to get very interesting. You know, you got you got Marshall at nine, ever the pragmatist, and then outside him you've got three footballers who want to go all the time. Um, first up, though, James Hook. Was 12, you know, you'll have watched him play an awful lot. Was 12 his best position, do you think? I, I, you know what? I, I, don't, I genuinely don't know. And I've, I've, I've spoken to him, him a lot about this recently. Mm. About, and he's, he's quite pragmatic about it. He says if he wasn't so versatile, he wouldn't have played for Wales so many times. Um, but I, I've watched him. I was watching a load of clips recently. I watched him at 10. I thought, oh, there's so many things he did at mm. 10. I thought, that's his best position. Then I watched him at twelve, and I thought, "Oh, actually, he can do that really well. Like, he could he could pick off intercepts from a mile." Yeah, he had a, he had a great knack of reading intercepts, so maybe he was better served being slightly wider out. Yeah. So, there's one try I remember. Like, there was a period of time when when he came on the scene for Wales for two years, he was the saviour, wasn't he? he? You know. Oh yeah. And then there's a try he scored against Ulster, where it's um, I think it would have been Dan Bigger put a chip over the top. I think Lee Byrne goes after Shane might go after it. Gavin Enter might go after it. And then just Hooky just runs across them and the fullback on a diagonal run. Takes the ball clean out of the air. Trademark hand off to the fullback and he's over. I was just there like that's for, for for those two, three years, he was just talismanic. No, fine choice. I like that. I like that a lot. And then yeah, Regan King, another mercurial talent. Oh, yeah, he's just, you know, I think someone once told me that he's put more people in the space than NASA, which is just, <laughs> just the perfect, perfect description of Regan I, King. I think that's going to be the title of this podcast. He's put more people into space than NASA. I love it. Actually, I think I think it was Jamie Cudmore who told me that. I think the direct, because <laughs> he messed it up, was he's put more people in the space than the post office. And then he, <laughs> he realised that he got two quotes mixed up and he sort of corrected him, but... But yeah, just Regan King was just so classy. Yeah, magnificent um, footballer. The, 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 the try that he set up, was it Gavin Thomas in Toulouse? When they won whatever it was yeah. for him. You know, Stephen Jones sits back in the pocket for a drop goal and then just gives a casual pass to Regan King. Who just, basically, he's just like sauntering around the pitch then, like it's sevens. Yeah. You, just, you, would, you wouldn't see it now, because... Defensive lines don't defend like that anymore. But it was yeah. just—it's just like watching rugby from a just a, a bygone era. It's just incredible. 
Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And again, another one who looked who looked effortless and looked like he had way more time on the ball than, than other players on the pitch. That's a, that is a very exciting centre partnership. Um, can't wait to see who the uh, who the wingers are in this uh, in this scenario. Where where do you go with your wingers? Um, so obviously, people like Shane get considered. Um, DTH Van der Merwe always really liked. Just a a top finisher. Yeah, powerful, great finisher. Uh, Brian Abana, obviously, because 2007, he was just he was just rugby, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was like Loma. You know, it was just um, Vincent Clerc. I remember, oh, I remember right. being terrified yeah. of him in the build-up to that 2008 game because I think him and Cedric Amons had torn Scotland apart the week before at Murrayfield. I completely forgotten about Cedric Amons. And they're both wearing bright orange boots. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh God, Vincent Clerc is going to, you know, tear us apart. Thankfully, he didn't because Davy Skrilla put, a, a, you know. Kicked it backwards. <laughs> um, Sean Sean Lamont, I always really liked. Yeah. I think he's one of the the underrated under overseas signings. Yeah, do you know what? I, I don't think he's underrated by many Scarlets fans. They speak very highly of him. Yeah. Um, and then Jason Robinson was just mm-hmm. just unplayable at times. But the two I've gone for, <laughs> um, Mark Jones on the left wing. Yeah. Um, is, Mark, is it fair though? Is it fair that Mark Jones is best remembered for a try he didn't score or a try he needed? Exactly. Scored? Yeah, probably is. Um, which is why when I said about Martin, because yeah. if Mark scores that, Martin doesn't score the try. Because I think it was not long after that, wasn't it? I think they turned yeah. over, cleared. It was. I, st- I must have watched that clip a hundred times now, and every time I think, oh, this time he's going to get there. This time he's going to get there. I think we we watched it in school assembly. We, we were made to watch it in school assembly the, like the week after. Because obviously, you know, Mark Jones, Bill Wells boy, is like Again, great achievement. Another, another more, uh, more farming stock as well. Yeah, indeed. But people forget what a good finisher he was. He was a lovely player. Like, I was watching, it was Wales v Pacific Islanders, 2006. Yeah. I was watching that back in the day because lockdown. And... <laughs> He scored a try and it was just the most, it's, it's basically, it's the winger's perfect try where you, you've got a foot of space between the fullback and the touchline and you, and you go through it and you back yourself. And he, he did that and he did that a lot for the Scarlets and for Wales. And there was a period, I think it was like 2006, 2007, where he was just scoring tries for fun. And I think yeah. at that point he'd come back from two knee surgeries. I he? had horrific injury problems. I was always really glad because he, he'd, you know, he'd always been a very, very good player. Well, an incredible player for the Scarlets. He'd had horrible injury problems, and then, you know, it played when he really consistently got on the Wales side. It was under Gareth Jenkins, which was a tough period where we weren't winning much. Um, and I always remember just being really pleased he got to be an integral part of that Grand Slam side because he was dropped after week one, wasn't he? He, um, yes. he had a tough time against uh, uh, Leslie Vinacolo and um, and then, yeah, was dropped for Jamie Roberts, I think. Jamie Roberts. It was, yeah, Jamie Roberts. Yeah. Um, and then he, uh, I, I seem to remember Gatlin saying that he trained harder than, you know, harder than anyone else and got himself back in that side and, yeah, was kind of a, a key part of the, the winning team. Because they always, they, they always used to make out that the reason he got dropped was because he 
been injured and didn't get up in the defensive line, but I don't know if that's the case. I've, I've heard contrast and stuff. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, forgot, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, you might well be... Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd, Whether or not that's true or not, it's a nice... When I spoke to him, I think the fact that obviously Sean Edwards was playing a, a blitz defence, all the Ospreys boys played blitz defence, but uh, he played drift mm. at the Scars, so he was more used to that. Interesting one. Good choice there, the gas man, like that. Uh, and then the other winger is uh, James Simpson Daniel. Oh, hey, you've been you've been firing the English names out all night, and uh, that, that one's come that one's come flying out of left field. Like, uh, he's he's probably my favourite player to watch on YouTube. Really? Um, just what he, he was just phenomenal for 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 a very brief period. Obviously, he had his injuries problems as well. But there was a brief period where he he was just so exciting to watch because he was he was a winger who could step in and fly half mm. and basically take three people out of the game because he was that a lot like how Matthew Morgan plays at fly half actually. Oh, that mate, thing now, where you, now you're winning me round, mate. You know you're pressing the Matthew Morgan buttons, which I can't. I simply cannot resist. So yeah, you you carry on. Because I, I, I once thought that Matthew Morgan could be a really good winger, but I just. I resisted the urge to go public with it because I'm not stupid. But, you know, when Matthew Morgan was at his best at fly half, which is probably the Bristol Championship Player of the Year season, mm. he was basically taking three defenders out of defensive lines by just drifting across the defence and then just hitting a flat pass to, to someone on, on a hard line. And James Simpson Daniel could do that from the wing. And it you look at that England team 2002-2004 some of the best rugby they played was when they had Simpson Daniel play it's really interesting I think Clive Wood I think Clive Woodward knew that he, he was just just, just a, a mercurial talent did he go did he go on the World Cup or was he um, I can't remember whether he was because famously I think the outside back on the bench was Stuart Abbott um, who again is a, a name uh, you know, he's not exactly a household name, but I, I think he was on the bench in the final. And obviously, the uh, the, the backline, the backline itself was was pretty damn impressive. And you got back three of Lucy Robinson and, and Cohen. Yeah. Cohen was in frightening form for for three years before that. Um, yeah, I think he might have had injuries because I remember he obviously he he, he rounded Joan along with didn't he when he played. I think for the Barbars. Yeah. Then he played, yeah, 2002, wasn't he? He played against New Zealand. But then I think he had a few injuries. I think he just missed out on selection. But oh, yeah. he just, on you, if you go on YouTube and just type in James Simpson down, he, he could create tries out of nowhere. Just just yeah. a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Two, uh, yeah, two, um, two unexpected. You've really saved your, your hipster choices for uh, for the wing, which I like. And I can't wait to find out who's uh, who's playing with them at fullback. Um. I thought about Cedric Amos just because the orange boots of yeah. Clark reminded me of him. Um, I remember everyone losing their mind about Juan Martin Hernandez at the 2007 World Cup. Yeah. El Maggio, everyone just, yeah. The yeah, everyone just went mad for him, didn't they? Uh, Liam Williams is, is again another modern day cult hero. Cheslin Colby's just phenomenal, you know. Yeah. Um, Matt Cardi. Matt Cardi was phenomenal. 
Yeah, another one. One cap, wonderful Wales, wasn't he? I think. I think it was only the one cap he had, but yeah, had some amazing. I should, I should know this. I spoke to him before Christmas. Um, yeah, may, he might have had a couple more, but I, I think certainly one in the. Um, I think it was one. No, one in the big game. Um, but the one I went for was Lee Byrne. Yeah, just he was the best fullback in the world at that time. Do you know what? I, yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with it. I think 2009 in particular, that year, the amazing Six Nations. He was amazing the year before that as well. You know, um, again, you think of the, the Grand Slam sides beating Australia, then the, the season he had in 2009. And I just remember feeling desperately sorry for him when he got his Lions test cap and, and had to go off injured because he was, uh, yeah, like you say, best, best in the world. He was phenomenal. And also because I have picked... What's that? Four playmakers in the back line because you've got Cooper, Hook, Regan, and Simpson Daniel. You, you do need someone cutting a, a hard line off them. So I think Lee Byrne is better than that at most. You know, that, that's right. 2009, was it against France? Yes. You yeah. Don't, you, don't, you don't see many lines cut better than that. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And actually, I think it's it's one of those things. Um, I've always loved a fullback who's an out-and-out fullback, you know, rather than a, a converted winger playing at, yeah. at fullback. And that was Lee Byrne. High ball, amazing, great kicking game, and most excitingly, runs the most incredible lines. Also, I just, I was just fascinated, like him and Mike Phillips, how their Wales career sort of took off so quickly mm. because of that that game against England. Like Lee Byrne had about fourteen caps before that England game, and yet. I mean, he played on the wing against Pacific Islanders. He made his yes. debut against New Zealand in a forty, you know, forty-one-three defeat. And then suddenly, overnight, he's the best fullback in the world. Mike Phillips, yeah. best scrum off in the Northern Hemisphere in the world, and it's just, I just, yeah, looking back, it's just, it's just funny, like looking at Lee Byrne before two thousand eight. Serious question: Before we get back to the frivolous nonsense. Um, how much of that you talk about players like Phillips and and Lee Byrne? How much of that can be attributed to the to the coaches around him? And I think particularly Gatland. Um, I mean, I, actually, I spoke to Lee Byrne. Was it Friday? Did a mm. podcast with Friday and talked about the England game. And you know, he he said that Gatland changed the mindset. Although he he didn't even play that well in the England game himself. He said, but I, I don't know because with with Lee Byrne. I, he went from being sort of Barry Davis's backup at the Scarlets yeah. to, I think, the Ospreys. As much as as Gatland probably helped him, I think being at the at the Ospreys. Mm. You know, look, Mike Phillips was at the, the Scarlets, and, and, and I don't know. Maybe it's just it started with the region, and then obviously Gatland came in, yeah. and I imagine took it up another another notch. Oh, it's an interesting one. But yeah, really exciting backline that. Like that a lot. Um, so just to recap that team very, very quickly, if I can remember it off the top of my head. Um, we have got Andrew Sheridan, John Smith, John Davis, Nakarawa, Alan Wynne Jones, Dan Lydiot. Who's the open side band? I've forgotten. Oh, Martin Williams. Martin Williams and Xavier Rush. Uh, then into the backs, Justin Marshall, Quade Cooper, James Hook, Regan King, Mark Jones, James Simpson, Daniel, and Lee Byrne. Wow, not bad. It's not bad. So, 
It's a it's a, it's a mighty impressive team. Um, who's going to who's going to be skippering this team? Oh, good question. Um, I am going to go for. That's tough because there's obvious choices in the pack. Obviously, mm. John Smith, World Cup captain. Alan Jones, captain. Um, I'm going to give it to Justin Marshall. Nice, interesting. That's so. This is you're the third one. Post match speech. <laughs> you're the third one of these we've recorded. Each side has had Alan Jones in it, and no one's named him as captain. He's been uh, he's been superseded so far by Justin Marshall, Gary Teichman, and uh, Mark Perigo. So there you go. You can't do Perigo. You can't. Um, French chalet. You also get to choose Ben who this uh, this dream team is going to be lining up against. So you can pick any side from history. That does include uh, Rugby 06, uh, the Rugby 06 side you inherit on the World League if you want to choose that. But it's uh, it's your choice. Who would you most like to see this side play against? That is tempting. That's very tempting, actually. Um, I might revisit that. Uh, I was watching a lot of sort of the, the 1996 Clash of the Codes recently. Oh, I've watched so much of this. I also watched, there's the... Um, the the Middlesex Sevens when they right. won that. Yeah. So part of me thought, are there any sort of rugby league teams I'd like to see? I think you, you, I'm not, uh, it's your choice, but that is an absolutely inspired chat. It's whether they play against the Wigan Warriors team in 1996. Um, of course, Bradford Bulls won it in 2002, didn't they? They won the Middlesex is, with yeah. Vinacola. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to go Wigan Warriors 96. Amazing. That is absolutely superb. Um, so all that remains then is for you to fill in these these final two blanks. First of all, is where would you like to see this game played? Uh, I'm going to go with the Royal Welsh Showground, both Wales. Oh, I'll with Well, what a wonderful Just, choice that is. That's why Sheridan got the nod, because I think yeah. he's married to a Bilf girl. He uh, might still be. I don't know if he is. He was. There we go. Nice, nice stuff. hope so. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. It, to be honest, the chances of Andrew Sheridan listening to this and getting 58 minutes in, um, he would just want to hear that he's uh, that he's made the line-up and that would be enough for yeah, him. He'll be delighted. He'll be delighted. He'll be delighted. Um, and then the, the remaining question is you also get to, to choose the kit that, uh, that, that your team will run out in. What, uh, what are the options there? This was an easy one. There's one option. It's the... I think it was 2007. I think it's the the Strathy Park farewell kit, the Scarlet Wall. You love this kit. Is, is, the, is it the one with the, like the brown quarters? It's the, it? the the Scarlet and chocolate brown quarters. Yeah. I've. I just I love that kit. I thought it was inspired. I remember they 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 wore a similar version of it a couple of years later, which I think was a European kit, but it wasn't as good as that because I was. That was when Cougar made proper rugby shirts, you know, with a collar and old school, yeah, yeah, proper, proper, nice rugby jerseys. I mean, when they, they when Cougar came, full away kits, but back then they made proper kits, and that Stradley Park farewell kit was just inspired. Superb stuff. Well, look, it's um, I tell you what, we we'll do. We'll even design the the artwork for this week. Can be that uh, oh. can be that kit. So we'll um, we'll have that. Fantastic. 
Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed that. Nice to reminisce about not just old rugby, but old rugby video games as well. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. And we'd, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you back sometime soon. Uh, be a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Putting the, uh, the podcast rivalry to one side. <laughs> Cheers, Ben. Podcast Network.